Welcome to Force Bikes. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Say hi, Greg. And uh, once again, we are graced with the presence of our awesome uh, guest for today, uh, who I think this is the only time we've had a guest come back twice. So, Chris, you're setting records, man. The Road Warrior Chris Otwell is with us today. Greetings and other personal salutations. However, right. the one record eventually I'm going to break is the number of podcasts Eric uh, has been on. The, of, and that who has been on? Eric. Oh, Eric, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we are happy to help you with that epic, epic goal. Um, so we're just going to get right down to it because it is a late hour when we're starting this podcast. We have a lot to go over in today's show. Um, we are going to go over some Scars Limited information and some of our thoughts on that. Um some information from Grand Prix Toronto, which just uh, went down. Uh, the PTQ season, uh, GP Nashville, GP 2011. Um, the Wizards Play Network change, which you guys have probably heard about. The draft pick order change. Um, we're going to go over some listener feedback. And as always, we're going to have some awesome links for you guys at the end of the show. So check us out on the MTG Cast site and also on Four Spikes. Um, let's get right into it. I'm going to mix up the order a little bit, but let's talk about Grand Prix Toronto. Uh, Greg, there's a, uh, a certain someone from Milwaukee who, who went there, right? Yeah. So, um, Robert, AKA the Dimi, uh, I guess we just should start calling him Robert, but, uh, yeah, he, he started five and one. He was doing real well. And then he ended up five and three before dropping. But he, he had a, a good run in there. Uh, he was definitely tweeting. Uh, he was tweeting about his whole Toronto experience leading up to the, the tournament. So like the while he was driving down there, he was listening to our last podcast and like tweeting comments about about our podcast. <laughs> and then then he finishes listening hours and listens to another one and he's tweeting about that one. He basically just was on Twitter while he was driving to Toronto and then uh, talked about his whole experience until, like, the beginning of the actual event. And then we get an update from him when he's, like, 4-1. and one. And then no more updates until he, 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 he bombs out at 5-3. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Good job, Robert. That's, that's a great start. Starting to 5-1. I don't know if it was his first GP, but it definitely had that kind of air of not being something that he's gone to a whole heck of a lot of. So that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, going 5-3 is a pretty respectable outcome of the Grand Prix. Yeah. Though, so, I don't suggest feeding and, and driving at the same time. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, there's a possibility, in, in all fairness, there's a possibility that he might have been riding with other other folks from the year. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I would suspect if he was doing the tweet, he probably wasn't driving, but if he was driving, uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I, I got those same Twitter updates, and it was awesome listening or reading them as, you know, it's like, 
just driving into, you know, da-da-da, just getting into here, and the whole time you're just like, um, please don't crash. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, really good for, for your first time. So I also... Your one loss below the cutoff line for day two, so yeah, that's acceptable. Yeah, and I, and I just think it's cool, too, that he was able to just take that road trip. You know, he said he's going to take some time from the family, take a little vacation, take time from everything else and work, and that's... Just awesome. It's such a fun experience. I can't wait to hear how it, how it went for him. Actually, I guess since tonight we're recording on Monday, we might get to hear tomorrow from Monday Night Magic uh, what what all went down. But, uh, yeah, was there anything else? Uh, Chris, did you have any friends who went to GP Toronto and did well? Or just went at all? Um, I think Gavin Barhey went, but I'm not sure how he did. Um, beyond that, just people I've known, some of the pros that I know who are there, but Nobody I knew specifically from Colorado who went there other than maybe family. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to find some information for, for one thing. Oh, right in front of me. Um, John Smithers um, apparently defeated Nelson in the finals to take on the title of Grand Prix Toronto. Yeah. So I guess that sounds... So I'm, I'm assuming that Nelson is Brad Nelson. So yes. I, uh, I have something that proves it that wrong. That's cool. That would be that would be the likely case. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I found it. Yeah. So okay. So uh, hot off the presses. Um, quarterfinals: David Howard, Jonathan Smithers, Dustin Figerly, um, Stephen Zhang, Eric Froelich, ooh, another one. Uh, ben Stark, Patrick Cox, and Brad Nelson. And uh, Jonathan Smithers beats Brad Nelson in the finals. So Ben Stark versus Eric Froelich in the quarterfinals. That's Phenomenal, and then Brad Nelson versus Ben Stark in the semis. That's that's cool stuff. I'll give you guys a link to this on the show notes. Yeah, and also check out the GG's live cast of these because they are amazing, and they are currently up. So go get your magic fix. Check those out. It is amazing to watch. Just these. Yeah, should go ahead. Point out this was a limited format too. Yes. Yeah, sealed. Yep. This is sealed. Sealed day one, draft day two. Yep. Right. Yeah. So. I actually watched. I, I, I was watching earlier today. I probably should have known who did what, but uh, I was watching uh, rounds three through nine uh, on my on my iPad at work. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> While quote unquote working, I was, I was definitely uh, trying to take use of uh, of the new the new iPad. Decreasing corporate productivity from day one. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's just awesome. And there are some GPs coming up, and we did put those links. Actually, Greg, i uh, got to give you some props. You put those links up, and you went through the trouble to go separate all those up and kind of make a list. So those are up on the Four Spikes uh, Facebook site. Um, so check those out. And we're also going to be helping to organize some car rides and stuff, right? I've already been getting some people talking to me about that um, from the site. But, yeah, that's that's coming up. So if you weren't able to make this GP in Toronto, you know, Nashville's coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that. Some other ones are coming up. So um, try to get to one if you can because they are so fun and just amazing, amazing time. Um, and a good way to do well if, if, you, if you're up for the challenge. And did you... Uh, Chris, last time we talked, you mentioned that there was a GP you were thinking about, right? 
Well, there's gonna be a Jeep, there's gonna be a Grand Prix now that's in my backyard, basically. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna, that, that'd yeah. be at. Yeah, next um, year in Denver. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right, Denver. That's right. And then, um, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm very much considering the idea of driving to Dallas because it's only about a ten mile or ten hour drive from my house to get to that Grand Prix. Wow. And and then there's a Kansas City, which is only about a seven to eight hour drive from my place as well. Kansas City depends on because of the time of the year, it depends on school schedules for my daughter. But it's quite possible I can go to three Grand Prix next year. Be really good. That's awesome. That's cool. Ten is ten hours. Okay, so I was I was having some discussion with, with a few different people as we were looking at the schedule for next year, which um, was something we were going to talk about later. But I mean, we can we can go through the, the the schedule. It was posted like three or four days ago. Um, so I, so that's like new information hot off the presses. But anyway, so we're talking about some of these locations that uh, unfortunately this year for the Midwest, there's not all that many that are very close. So, like, the two that people were talking about was, like, Kansas City and, and even Denver. For, for to go uh, 10 hours or, or more in terms of driving, is it practical still to, to drive? I mean, isn't it just, isn't it even financially, like, better to just fly? Like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I'm definitely well, it curious. depends on how many people you Yeah, have depends on the people you're with. Yes. Depends on the people you're traveling with. Depends on hotel arrangements. Yeah. Well, but the I hotel, I mean, in, in a vacuum, the hotel is going to be the same, except the more that, the longer you have to drive, the more hotel days, in theory, probably, right? And no, in terms of, what? Not necessarily. I would just say the, the, the amount of people that you have in your car greatly impacts, you know, the fuel costs, obviously. If you're cutting it in half, or if you're cutting your costs in thirds or fourths, you know, that's pretty huge. <laughs> or <Sure>. six. <laughs> or in six. Once you get up to once you get up to <laughs> five plus, you're talking about A, multiple vehicles, or B, the a type of vehicle that isn't particularly gas efficient, you know, it's not very fuel efficient. So your your cost of of that gas is going up quite a bit to get to some of those efficiencies. Yeah, but then you gotta deal with the problems like well the airline tickets. In, in like in the case of last year where I could have gone to Seattle I had the ability to buy an airline ticket uh, round trip there for $150 out of Denver. I know a lot of people who took that who took that flight because of that cost and went to Seattle. Well, it would have cost me like 600 if I went to Vancouver. Right. It would probably be three to 400 probably about 400 if I go to Dallas that way. So is it worth it for a $400 round trip ticket to Dallas and missing potentially one and a half days of work or missing two and a half to three days of work and spending a hundred dollars gas. Right. So it's kind of a trade off. It depends on each person's different, every situation is different because it also depends on how much you make and can you afford to take those days off or not and whatnot. Sure, sure. I mean and and we're also talking about in a world where where, you know, multiple Grand Prix is like a legitimate possibility and and we're what we're willing to spend on some of those travel costs is you know perhaps a little bit more than some some people whether they're they're in in school and just don't have access to that you know even if they are a PT grinder they may not just have they may not have the kind of income to, to be able to, to do some of these things uh, a lot of our peers are actually in that situation 
Or those people have like positive EV like going to Grand Prix because they have multiple buys and expect to make day two. That was that was the, say, on the flip side. And the flip side, some of those exact same people are, are actually profiting by by flying. You know, even if nobody around them can, there's a possibility that some of their peers at the, at the higher level can can still. I mean, I've been to well over well over a dozen Grand Prix, maybe even like one and a half dozen now, and I've never made a day two yet. So it's not the most trivial thing to do do to pull off. Yeah, no, I'm I'm envious of that. I, I as as it may have been brought up last week, haven't been to a GP yet. Envious, envious, envious. But we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen a lot next year. I'm I'm, I'm gonna try and go. I'm gonna try and go. To, I'm gonna go to Nashville. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Jonathan uh, can make that work as well. We were talking about that a little bit. Yeah. And then and then maybe maybe two. Two next year is, is the the tentative plan, but the more that I hang around some people like like Owen uh, Owen, Owen Turnwald, uh, the more that I get talked into on a whim flying to the middle of nowhere to go to another TP. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the next year. Hey, if the if the price is right, it's worth making the trip. Let's put it that way. I mean, the last time Dallas had a Grand Prix, we took a carload of five down to it and made it work. So, granted, I did like 90% of the driving, but it works, you know? Yeah, and on our side, we're actually, we've got, there are a couple people that I've been talking to about Nashville, uh, and that dis- that discussion is far from over. Like, I haven't even talked to Jonathan yet, and I mean, I know that he, he um, wants to go, but details we haven't even got into, but in the preliminary discussions, people are actually fighting over, over, over driving, which is, I think, funny. Because I mean, I, I love I love to drive. We got to keep it which is uh, awesome for those that would prefer to just sleep. I think. So, pretty cool. Let's see if I could get like a hundred dollar airline ticket or a hundred fifty dollar airline ticket to Nashville. I would probably do it because if, if no if for no other reason besides the tournament, I actually have family there that I could get a cheap place to stay for the weekend. Sure, more than compensate what you would have had to pay in a hotel. Yeah, right. and, and and all of that. Yeah, true. Sure. This this sounds like fun. Why does it have to be like a month away? <laughs> back to back to Toronto because I mean I think that uh, was there was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with with Toronto, Jonathan? No, uh, that's that's all I had. Um, although I am I'm very curious to hear what uh, what how everyone did, but. Um, I haven't had enough time to do a lot of research on it and see how everything went down, but looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, let's, um, let's talk about the upcoming PTQ season. Well, actually, no, I guess we just talked about a bunch of tournament stuff. Well, we can, we can talk about it a little bit and then, and then, and then roll back into some specifics about the about the GP schedule. Okay. Um, what 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 Jonathan was re- referring to before, in terms of, of events that was setting up on you go to four bikes on, on Facebook. If you're in the Midwest area, and I'm sorry, I don't I, don't, I didn't do this for all of the PTQs, but I, I, a lot of our listener base is, is within the Midwest. So what I did is I actually created an event for all all of the remaining PTQs 
uh, for this year. So that's a lot. There's two in Indianapolis, there's two in Minnesota, there's two in Illinois, Madison. And I, I create events for all of those to to encourage people to to carpool and kind of set and, and, and kind of facilitate not only the information because these are being provided by a few different uh, event organizers, Missy Mountain, uh, Pastimes, and so on. So not only to facilitate that, but also um, to facilitate some carpool. So that's uh, that's definitely something to check out. Um, we're not going to sh- shove like invites down people's throats if they're members of, of Forest Bikes. So you know we, we still encourage people to join, even if you're not from the Midwest area. But that is out there as an option if you if you're if you're looking for that. And then also um, this was this was kind of inspired by the, the release of the the GP twenty. 2011 schedule, which we were just talking about in a little bit. Uh, also, something that's noteworthy about next year's schedule, if you were to, to take a look at it, almost half, I mean, maybe even more than half of the GPs next year are sealed. I mean, I don't know if that, is that, is that normal? Like, Chris, do you, is that, is that something that you've experienced before is that is that normal? Because I mean, it's it, it's not abnormal, but at the same time, it's not necessarily normal. Um, it's anywhere between a third to half every year would be limited. Hmm. It, it's just the way that it works out. But I have noticed that this year we have more Grand Prix than we have in the last two years, which is kind of a nice thing, nice change. But just the fact that happened being limited seems fine to me. It, we went the entire last year without any limited pro tours. Really, or even limited pro tour qualifiers for for a full year now. So, yeah, them pushing more limited on the grand prix grand prix scale seems perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I was definitely not complaining. I mean, there there, there have been a but there's been a lot of buzz in the last few days in the in the Milwaukee area on different opinions. Like half the people, most of the people like the fact that it is sealed, uh, or that, that a lot of the opportunities are sealed. Unfortunately. Yeah. For us and those and those people, a lot of a lot of those opportunities are not. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, they'll be available as options. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're willing to travel, I mean, you're willing to travel. But to that one, man, it's, you know, you will that you will things. Well, especially if if that's your format, I mean, in that. It, <laughs> It's funny because I was just listening. I was just listening to Yo MTG Taps from uh, not the latest episode, but the episode before that. It was an interview between um, uh, Joe Pasco and Joey Pasco and Patrick Chapin. And Patrick was referring to Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin, and all we do is draft. That's really true. I mean, we, 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 uh, Jonathan, how 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 many times would you, would you say that you draft in? A week or in a, in a month. I don't want to say for fear that my girlfriend's going to hear this, but uh, <laughs> probably more than I go. Probably more than I go to the gym, which is pretty unfortunate, but it's a true reality. So, quite a bit. Okay, so I'll help him. I'll help. I'll help him out because I'm, I hopefully, hopefully I'm not in your shot of of uh, that, but. Well, I think that that we average we average going to like house house games two or three times a week, 
and and these guys sanctioned type events. Um, F and M's are usually drafted twice, and then maybe once on Saturday or Sunday. We, we, it's it's probably in the neighborhood of six drafts a week. I mean, that's that's I, I didn't really realize until taking a step back that that's a that's a lot of drafting. That's a lot of that's a lot of limited format. So, yeah, that's a lot. So yeah, I was just one of those one of those things that I didn't realize until in a really awkward way it was presented that that yeah we do do that a lot. But as a result, we've got some phenomenal limited players. So hopefully, hopefully some of these people get to some of these GPs because I think that that there's definitely the opportunity um, for people to do well, like like Robert or or potentially even even day twos. So yeah, and um, no, go ahead. What are you gonna say? Oh, I was just going to transition. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> so we talked. I think we talked. We talked about the Nashville a little bit. Yeah, Nashville. That's the other cool thing is as while we're talking about draft. One one last thing about Nashville. Sorry, okay. one last thing about Nashville. I was going to say was that uh, actually it's cool because today as we were drafting, um, you know, Diana came up and she said that she uh, she's interested in coming along, which is yeah. kind of cool. Like, I never thought about it like that, but it's like, yeah, just take a road trip, you know, somewhere warm, and, you know, while I'm playing Magic, she can go do stuff, so, if anyone else is going there and has girlfriends that need people to hang out with, because they're in a see, it'd be cool. Well, if you take your girlfriend, make sure you plan an extra day, and get just tourist time, too. See. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> what? You go. Yeah. That's, yeah, Okay. That's if I don't uh, do well. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's you know kind of a cool idea. I didn't think about it before, but we did go to one GP before. She came with me to GP Indianapolis, uh, which was awesome, and we had a great time. We drove up with another couple, actually, and it was super fun. Um, the girls got to go you know, hang out and do girls' stuff, even though one of them played Magic. Um, they still, I think they went shopping and did other things you know they they wanted to do out there and it was it was a lot of fun but uh yeah so that was that was my last thing i wanted to say on um, that um i because I, I, I had a conversation i was, I was talking with a, a local member of our community that was, ta- was talking about nashville and was, was talking about possible possible plans to, to go to nashville and, and figure it out i was talking about the possibility of maybe bringing my uh, my sweet allison um and have subsequently found out that she's not going to be able to come. But in that conversation, I was like, "Well, how practical is it to bring to bring a significant other in a group without other significant others?" And his perspective, he said, "Well, I've gone to a lot of these, and you can make it work as long as you intentionally, from the very beginning, plan to make it work that way. So if you go with another couple, or you go with like two other couples, then there are." Then there are people that aren't playing magic that are together at the same time. Otherwise, it's a lot of downtime, and, and it, not only is it something that is frustrating potentially for the significant other, but it's also can be can be frustrating to the person that is there trying to do really well at a, at a, at a, at a magic event because you're distracted by the fact that you know your significant other is bored or do or whatever. Um, now is so that, that's just a little bit of, of outside perspective that I got that was 
I thought pretty interesting. It definitely seems seems to be reasonable. I, I think that a, bit, a part of your your story about GP Indianapolis is the fact that you went with another another couple. Uh, I think that that might have had some impact on your positive experience. If you if it was just you know two other two other guys from the Magic community, it, it might not have been as much fun for to review and it might not have it, it might have you guys might have had some impact on them as well if they're looking for you know getting away from their significant other to you know I don't know it's my my kind of unscripted thoughts on, on the subject well that's also why I say you should plan an extra day that's not magic related specifically sure. because you need to keep your significant other happy especially if you do halfway decent or you're in the mood to like well damn it there's a, the PTQ on Sunday too I want to do that way you don't make them feel like they wasted the entire weekend to be around you and not do anything productive. Right. It's a good point. There's always something, there's always something for relationship harmony. <laughs> yep. I always seem to put the harm in harmony for some reason, but that's a bad joke. Okay, so <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it was amusing. It may, it may have missed. Yeah. It's definitely a good, like, a good swing at it. Okay, we're going to edit that out. Okay, so Scars Limited. Let's talk about that a little bit. We had some initial reactions to it, and now it's been, you know, well, it's been a month in. You know, what do we think now? Uh, Chris, do you remember what you thought of the set at first and what you think now? Uh, I played a lot of Limited during the Mirrodin time frame, so I kind of knew that while I really like Infect in general, I knew that people would be looking at all these artifacts and and trying to like either draft or play limited and not really be able to focus on colors. Mm-hmm. And it would get really confusing to some people. So I don't think, in general, the format's yet been solved, per se. And I don't think a lot of players understand just how difficult not be able to um, predict what other opponents are color are drafting and color wise or style wise yet is going to be so th- this format this format is far from being figured out yet and it's going to be one of the hardest formats people are going to going to have to draft. Um, probably the hardest one since Ravnica and the second hardest one since the original Paradigm. John, what were your thoughts? Well, I initially, first of all, I completely agree. I like the depth that's offered now. I initially was all over the infect, and I forced it every time, and I was actually very successful with that, but then I got bored of it, so I, um, and also, I don't think it's the strongest. I think I just got lucky, to be honest, in, in when I was doing well with it. Um, I think that it is a consistently maybe powerful, but it has, without a lot of rares and stuff, that deck has a, a pretty significant ceiling as it were and it's hard to outperform itself and its potential whereas decks with a less linear strategy can um create a lot more opportunities that um, might not necessarily be as consistent like an infect deck if not dealt with early will just win with you know it's three casting costs two power guys and yeah, but the, in order to counteract the infect deck all you do is chunk block early right right you know? right you don't let them just get random attacks in. You have to just sit there and be willing to waste material to 
just keep chuck blocking them because eventually they'll run out of gas and then you'll just have better guys in the end. Right. No, I, I completely agree that that's a good strategy for dealing with it, but, you know, that's, that's, you know, there's a couple things to that. That's saying that, you know, if they don't, like, wipe out your guys early, like, if they don't, um, you know, have some of the evasion guys, if, you know, I, I just think that it's a very strong strategy, but it has a, it has a ceiling. Whereas, for example, tonight I drafted a five-color deck. I had three of the Horizon spell, or excuse me, four Horizon spell bombs. I had uh, my only black card was Geth. Oh no, and I had the instill the the instant minus one minus one card, and I had Geth. I had my only green card was the eight eight for four, and the, with trample. Four four, four metalcraft becomes. Yep, the 4-4 Metalcraft becomes an 8-8 with Trample, and I had uh, Shatter and a a Galvanic Blast for my red, and I had Sunblast Angel, a bunch of Mirror, a bunch of other little tricky things I could, you know, play around with and bounce and whatever, and that was my deck, and I actually didn't, I don't think I lost a game, yeah, I didn't lose a game in the draft with it, but it was a really interesting deck, and it looked much worse when I first had it than it actually performed, because I just didn't, it just, you know, maybe I got lucky, it came together well, but it just shows that there's still a lot of room to maneuver in this, whereas another draft I had, just the the one just before it, or not just before, excuse me, the one one before that, I had almost a mono-red deck, and that was awesome. And, you know, you can... It, it's a format that I think is still deeper than people are giving it credit for. It's not quite Rise of the Eldrazi, but it's much deeper than I originally gave it credit for. And to that, I say props to the design team. Um, what I think is good in the format is red. I really like red a lot. And I think blue is super strong and underdrafted, especially those 3-3 three, three flyers for 5 are great. Um, and I think that the format is not quite as fast as people, uh, first thought. And what Chris said is if you can survive an initial onslaught, it's very easy to, um, kind of gain incredible advantage over those types of decks just by maybe losing a little bit of advantage early. And then, um, you're just in such control. It's very hard to come back, save some, you know, a Skitherix or some big rare or something. So those are my thoughts. Um, Greg, what, what about you? I agree with a lot of the high-level things that both of you have said. Um, there are some, some details that I disagree with. Um, you know, when we get into color-specific referencing, they're thinking that red, red and blue being the strongest. Uh, I, I don't really necessarily agree with that. Um, but, but getting back to a high level, this set has been exceptionally exciting when it didn't necessarily I mean there were there were some there were definitely some glimmers right at the beginning like oh this this has some potential but I don't know I, I, the fact that you brought up Rise of the Eldrazi is, is I think a perfect example of the type of depth not necessarily the depth of Rise but the type of depth where a month in 
there's there's a lot of archetypes that people have in their head. They're like, okay, this is what I'm probably going to do. Or this is what I want to do. Or this is another thing that I can do if that doesn't, if that's not there, or blah or blah. But then there are there are still archetypes that exist that people are finding right now that nobody knew about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And there aren't there aren't that many sets. In, in my experience, yeah, my experience is, is not that versatile. But there have not been that many sets, and I've, and I've, I've done a fair amount of, of, of drafting of older sets in the last year. There aren't that many that, that have had this kind of depth. It's it's fun. Like, I am legitimately, and I said this a lot last week when we were talking about that PTQ, you know, you go, you take the same draft deck or the same sealed deck, and you're four rounds in, and you just can't wait to play that next game. And that's that's not an experience that I've had in, deep into some of these tournaments, whether it be sealed, or any, form, any form of limited or, or, or constructed. You, you get a little bored with some of the interactions after dealing with the game after game after game. The, the interactions are just fun. Like it's fun. And that's... That's good. That's not. That, that's really good for magic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in terms of like the specifics, outside of just being like high level, you know, fruity, <laughs> I think that in fact, when we first talked about it, I think that we overestimated it a little bit based on some of the exposure we had to some of the 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 bombier cards and the fact that we. We're capable of, of, of saying of taking a, a deck like that and say, okay, I'm gonna tempo and, and out. I'm just gonna I'm gonna beat you in four or five turns, and you're not gonna have much to say about that. And I think while people were like backpedaling, saying, "Oh, what are you doing? That's not the kind of magic that I'm familiar with." We were just beating them, and I don't think that that is necessarily the way that people are interacting now. They're like, okay, so yeah, I'm going to be losing my 2-2 to your 1-1 that gets bigger, or I'm going to be losing my my you know 3-butt to your 2-power guy because you've got all these onboard tricks, you've got all these different things that are going to happen, but I just got to throw my guy out there, let it die, and live through and get and then and then get incremental advantage in the in the four four and five drop spot where I'm gonna have better guys unless you've got bombs and bombs still get there. Infect is is extremely viable. You've got if you've got a putrefax or two, or if you've got you've got a hand or two, you know, or you've got some some other interactions that just make your stuff really strong. Like that untamed might is super strong. That card just wins games. But what you realize is that. That does that doesn't necessarily need to be in fact. Untamed might wins games regardless of the deck. And and there's the um, well, tainted strike, tainted strike. Well, untamed might, phenomenal. untamed might is, I, I, uh, you're, you're saying that it's just as it's like also uh, really good with the non-infect deck. Is that yeah. the? But I don't know about that. I think untamed might is like kind of like. Meh. It's like sometimes it's like a. I mean, it's it's a nice like creature, you know, combat trick. But 
it's also kind of like in a in an infect deck it's you know it's you're you're getting double x value for it in a game in a game in in, in a format such as limited just in general all sure. limited in general sure 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 board stalls have and scars is no different having the ability to to make any one guy that just randomly gets them, whether he's unblockable for one reason or another, or you just have one more guy than they do, to be able to instant speed pump that particular guy eight or ten, that's phenomenal. Meh. I don't know if it's phenomenal. Whatever. Okay. I'm saying that because I'm saying that anecdotally. I'm saying that based on my experience with this set, I mean, before it seemed like it was a little bit of an expensive for a combat trick. You know, it's like, okay, so this is pseudo-removal. Got it. Check. Moving on. It's more than that. I, in a way, in, in, in the absence of other things that that pump, there aren't lots of pump spells. There are, There's like a little plus one, and there's and there's all the different equipment suite, and then the Trigon Bridge. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of things that randomly just like, whoa, just died to that thing. Well, I'm team So I don't know, it's... It is the green fireball, or the better version of Health Beyond. Yes. It will win games. You just have to play it at an appropriate time. Yeah. I, I disagree with you guys on, on how good it is. I think it's like, oh, it's okay, but it's not great. Except in an Infect deck, it can be very good. Um, but... You know that's okay. I don't mind being the minority um, on this put one. Put on a flyer. Just put on a flyer. I mean, I don't know. Like, even on a flyer, it's it's not it's not as good. You know, even like even in the best case scenario, and you're doing like six extra damage. If that was an infect creature, you win right there. If you're doing five extra damage, you win or four extra damage. But um, I don't know. I just feel like it's 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 it's, it's a card that has an infect when you put in the infect archetype you really really want to see it because it just it, it will win you it will win you multiple games in, in any like draft like that it's just it's phenomenal but it's still I think I think I think fire, a green fireball is, is, is exactly what I'm trying to convey it's a green fireball in the sense that green is poopy so it's like a poopy fireball because <laughs> you need a creature to get through to deal damage so I, I, I that's fine I can be the minority you know what listeners tell us what you think I'd love to hear your thoughts as a spike I'm not particularly like enthralled with the card I'll tell you know it's a strong to me like it's a strong in, in any of my non-infect decks it's like a solid like ninth and up pick but besides no, that I'm like I think that I think that because of the existence of, of one other person, one, one other card that I don't have person, um, there's there's a there's a five three trample common that's four colors, one green that gets plus two plus zero oh whenever an artifact is a graveyard. That guy, because of trample and because it says common, that guy makes untamed might what it is in terms of its strength because you can get that guy at the exact same time you're referring to if not even later you can get that at a limit. because it's not I mean it's kind of eh I mean, you don't splash for that guy what are you talking about you're just saying it was amazing you're just saying it's a, it's like the green fireball it's so good I'm talking about I'm talking about the guy the 5-3 trample 
you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily splash for that guy. But I'm saying the existence oh, of oh. that guy, the existence of that guy, and the strength of, of Trample, in my opinion, in in this set, because of the absence of Trample. I mean, what else gives? What else has Trample? Um, future facts, sure. Um, the, the, red the one one red dude, yeah. Yeah, trample. Uh, but he gets there with the equipment. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 cute stuff they could do, but trample is is not particularly, uh, it's not all over the place. But there's that card, and it happens to be a conk. You right. do realize that it does pump toughness too, right? Yeah, which makes it a phenomenal removal spell. I think that I, th- I think I think that guy is is considerably underdrafted right now. And I think that that guy can do some crazy things. And an untamed might is a big part of why he's so good. And if a support card can have that kind of strength to make guys that have something that's kind of good, but how can you really abuse it? I think that that makes that makes support cards considerably stronger. And when, when flying is as strong as it is, again, I think flying is extremely strong. Oh, for sure. In this format, I'd agree with that. I, I think well, that making, making the, taking advantage of that that form of advantage, flying, and making it even stronger in a blowout. I mean, so many games, so many games right now come down to, okay, so I've got three flyers, you've got two, your two are a little bit bigger. How do I figure out a way of Breaking throughs. Alright, here's a good question. Do you think it's better or worse than Darksteel Axe? Than Darksteel Axe? Darksteel Axe is phenomenal. Darksteel Axe is way better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not making that comparison. But I, th- but, but, I mean, I think Darksteel Axe is just amazing. I had a counter... I had somebody, somebody played a counter spell. Counter, counter my Darksteel Axe. Um... On turn like five or something like that, and I had I had a future facts at hand. He didn't know that. It was probably still free play. Like even if he knew that the future facts was coming, he can probably deal with the future facts better over the course of the game than he can with that dark steel axe. And that's a, I mean that's a bold statement. I'm, I'm definitely I'm not saying that that future facts is you know worse. I'm not making that claim, but that card. Is so difficult to deal with when, when you when you if you turn one that, that card, in fact or flying, doesn't matter if you got some form of evasion or, or, or aggro strategy, good luck opponent. Well that that goes back to the thing it's like, well, like Mirrodin and Scar's Mirrodin now, they're heavy equipment. So yes, it's a green fireball, yes it's really good. There's gonna be lots of cases where but it's better in, in many, many places. Places. Right. Sure. So, is it? I'm not saying Untamed is a, is a fourth pick or better. And, and I think that Darksteel Axe is, is, is very clearly in that in that first four pick. Okay. Column. Well, I'll tell you what. Next time I'm sitting you guys in a draft, you can have all the... I, I will not pick up one Untamed Might. You guys take them all. I'll take my, you know, whatever, my poopy little spell bombs and my stupid... You know, furnace celebration and or whatever, and let's you know we'll just play and see how it goes. Um, but uh, we would love to hear back from the listeners, so tell us what you guys think, and uh, we'll um, you know we'll take kind of an informal poll of what the deal. So 
Anything else we want to talk about for Scars Limited? Any other thoughts, Greg, or Outwell? It's pretty fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult format, but I think it's, it's a definitely a good change of pace. Well, that's that's the part that I love. It's the fact that, I mean, I'm sitting around, I, I, I frequently am sitting around a, a group of players I've been playing at, at one of the stores that, that provides one of the, you know, just extremely... Um, stiff competition, very strong players, and a lot of those people happen to also be a part of our play group, which is really, really, really tough. I, I can't, I can't count the number of times that I've been in a situation where somebody's like, "Well, is this better? This card better than this card?" And I mean, it's just the skill testers. There's just skill tester after skill tester in these packs. You've either got really crappy packs, I mean, or really, really strong packs, and it's not obvious whether you take the. Uh, the Tumble Magnet or the Dark Steel Axe, for example. I mean, there are archetypes that say, yeah, definitely taking the the blah or the blah, but it, it's not obvious in, in hardly any format. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, the skill testers are so frequent because, because of the, the, the quantity of artifacts. It, it's just phenomenal. It's fun. It's, it's a blast. Well, in, in the sealed format, you got to remember... You can expect to open sealed pools with potentially 35 playables. Yeah. And cut it down to 23, 24. So, it's becoming, it'll make building sealed decks far more difficult than people are used to doing. In the pre release, in the pre release, I ran out of time cutting down cards. I hadn't even, they literally said, okay, five minutes, one minute. When they called time, I hit, I hit, I hadn't even started counting lanes. I was still cutting shit down. Now, granted, I've, I've gotten... I mean, some of that's addictive of the fact that I, I take a while making some of those decisions. People make fun of me for a while about that. But still, I mean, literally, the however long you get to, for all of construction, you haven't even started considering lands? Man, I mean, that's, that's, that's saying something, I think. Not, not easy. I mean... Fun. <laughs> well, tomorrow I'm trying. I'm gonna play. I'm trying to get to 7 p.m. Well, for me, well, for my 7 p.m. I guess the 8 p.m. You're done. Uh, rear seal on 10 p.m. See how well I do. Eight rounds. <laughs> any any wrap up type thoughts on card limit? Wrap up type thoughts. My um wrap up type thoughts are that. There's still a lot to explore in this format, but I think that uh, red is obviously very strong. The blue three-three flyers, I think, are underdrafted right now. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I think that the four-three vampires, which everyone thinks are horrible with metalcraft drain for life, um, I try like those can be good if you can if you can get a bunch of them super late because people in my play circles anyway never draft those. You can get a bunch of them really late and you can build around it. That can be super, super strong um, if, if you can build around it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a um, work in progress. Uh, okay. So my final thoughts on Scars Limited are you should be playing as much as possible to get ready for the Grand Prix. You're going to go day two and then win in, so... Um, get as much as you can out of it. 
and play a lot because it's super, super fun. Um, the Spell Bombs are good. Furnace Celebration is an awesome deck if you can get two of them or um, make that deck. Uh, there's still a lot to be explored. And, you know, my my last thing I'll say is we want to hear from you guys and what cool interactions you've had, what cool archetypes you've made. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you've come across. That's awesome. Um, so I guess we'll be getting Otval back, the Road Warrior back soon. But in the meantime, uh, what's up with the draft pick order change? Can you please go over what that is for any listeners that haven't heard that yet? Yeah, so the, the long and short of it, it's pretty straightforward, but it's if you start thinking about the implications, it's pretty nuts. Um, today... As every time a new set rolls out, it's a part of a block. So, for example, um, Zendikar and then World Wake Rise. Oh, that's a bad example because Rise is anything. But anyway, so when Zendikar came out, you, you drafted three, three packs of Zendikar. When World Wake came out, you know, the first thing you did was you drafted maybe for like the first weekend three packs of World Wake. After that, you go into the native format, which was Zendikar, Zendikar, World Wake. Typically, you then in the third set would go Zendikar World Wake Rise, for example. Rise was in the, the Zendikar um, draft uh, block was an exception to this. The way it, the way that um, it would normally go would be okay. So you've got Scars of Mirrodin. So Scars is the first pack, and then you've got Mirrodin Besieged. That will be the second pack, and the third set will be the third pack when that comes out. And you, you duplicate up the, the first the first set if you haven't yet gotten it. So that's the way it normally goes. What they're doing is they say, ah, the most recent set to come out, the most relevant, we're going to put first. So, in, in which case, if it were back in ZZW, it would be WZZ. World Wake, then Zendikar, then Zendikar. Um, or if it were like a, a, a normal a normal block, it'd be like rise then World Wake. Then. So it's going to go reverse chronological, as opposed to chronological. So that's I mean, that's that's like the long way of explain, explaining this this simple in in theory concept that's going to have a big impact on the way that sets. Well, it makes every set that much more impactful on how it's used for drafting. It's the, it'll it'll help it make every time a new set comes out a completely new draft format for us now instead of store we'd have set patterns where people would establish over the first two to three or first two sets and when the third set comes out they just they could just adjust their existing patterns for the third set yes now my, minor adjustments change that. but the, now it's going to be radical changes every time the set comes out yeah I mean, like, like Mirrodin. Uh, so we we drafted we drafted Mirrodin at, like old school Mirrodin block a few times, and uh, the if you don't if you don't know a whole lot about the 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 format, you're not really preparing for that third pack, which has a bunch of sunburst cards. So you're not drafting the five color crazy control because you don't know a whole lot about that third pack, and you're like. You're, you're, you're kind of preparing for the third pack. Normally, though, that's not the case. Normally, it's just the, the first pack. The first pack is 
blah set. And all right, well, that's something that we've been been playing for the last six months. So we know exactly what we're going to do there. We know what we're going to do in the second the second pack because that's what we've been doing for the last three months. All right, no big deal. Just a small modification. And instead, it's going to be this this whole format warping. Um, and by warping, I definitely mean like changing in, in, a, in, a, in a positive way, in my opinion. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's awesome. Whole thing, whole thing more interesting. Like, yeah. You, you, re, you redefine you redefine the playability and the intrigue of of track. Also, Greg, your mic just got a bit softer. Uh, did something change on your end? Because we can't hear you as well. No. All I know is I've been rambling. <laughs> no, it's fine. Just. Uh... Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it, is it the way it was before, or it's it's kind of yeah, it's okay. It's better than it was just right. now. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's awesome. Um, uh, well, what do you think? How do you feel about the change in the draft order? I think it's a good thing. It makes every set now. It makes every set release some. Or trade a completely new drafting, and it'll add considerably more challenges to people who are masters at drafting or tend to draft a lot, especially in this game. It'll it'll shake up every environment now with every set of those games once, maybe twice a year with drafting. Yeah. Thank you, Red. I guess we're kind of all on the same which is which is great because this is this is going to be a big change, and I think. I mean, as much as they try and play it down, you know, the, well, this is, they're not, they're not playing it down that it's not big, but they're trying to play down the, the timing and say that it doesn't mean anything. I, mean, I don't know whether it does or not. There's, there's been a lot of speculation about the fact that, they, oh, why are they doing that this now? I mean, I don't, I don't know why they're doing it now. If you, got, if, you, if you guys have insight as to why they might be, I'd be curious to hear it. But I don't think that it matters. I don't think timing was important in this case. I think it was somebody came up with this idea, and it finally dawned on us, saying, well, why didn't we do this 10 years ago? Yeah. We should have done it 10 years ago. This is just something that should have come as common sense that nobody thought of until somebody just, until it dawned on them, like, well, we can make draft in general much more interesting by doing it this way. Right. And if people figured it out, they like, oh, well, it's, it's pretty much everyone just, like, nodded their heads, like, yeah, well, that makes total sense. We should have done that years ago. Let's do it now. Maybe that's maybe that's why we're all why so many of, of us that draft a lot are like yeah that sounds great yeah well it's a good way to mix it up and to just explore new options and opportunities and it will have an impact uh, but it's you know it's just a fun kind of little fundamental change to the way things are done and I think that's a good thing I think it's healthy for the format healthy to keep things moving along um, although the other thing is that it'll actually for the more um, intricate players offer more opportunities because I think that it'll uh, I don't know exactly how to say it but I think it's a way that the craftier players will be able to set the tone for the draft and um, knowing what you're going to get because you've drafted so much in the other packs you can kind of uh, try to craft your uh, you can try to set the stage for how, how you want it to go a little bit like not passing, you know, whatever, any white cards or, I don't know. I mean... Well, if you know that there's virtually no fixing, 
for example, and you see fixing, you're like, oh, that's really, really good in the next, for the next pack, because I know I can't do that, for example. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a different point than what I was making, but that's true as well. Uh, I, I'm just making the point that it's a way to try to maybe force an archetype, um, but even, but it's even, it's, you know, it's a, it's a way to try to, you know, make sure that you know what you're going to be getting in pack two, because you'll know like, well, it's, you know, there's a lot of good, I don't, uh, I can't think of a good example. I'm too tired right now, but you know, if you know, like there's, um, you know, if you know, like, red is the best, and you just take out every red card you see because you want to get those late Shatters or Galvanic Blasts, and you just take all the good and red cards and you don't pass any red, then you know, like, your deck will be set for the next, you know, the next stage in the draft because in pack two you're going to be rewarded uh, with your strategy or something like that. That's not the best example, but I'm a little too tired. But it's a way that you can kind of, you know, do what you always do, which is try to send signals and... But I just, I'm thinking in kind of a more meta sense, like in a, you know, specific types of uh, draft formats that you might want to go. So, well, it's always been that way, especially with example, the exam, best examples I can think of is like Dissension, where it brought in the whole other set of guilds that you had to basically plan for in order to get into one of, yeah. one of the Yeah, that's a good example one. with a guild, yeah. The, the blue green. Yep. Or you could go with, because it, it was really hard necessarily to plan for that third pack of Ascension, but if you could, you could pull off some great decks. Yeah. Or, or um, another case was like uh, uh, Weatherlight, because it was so strong and white, and the other two packs were so weak and white. Yep. Pretty much could set up yourself to be the only white drafter in the entire pod, and come out with a nearly mono-white phenomenal deck with multiple ballistas and stuff. Or, right. Uh, well, or like in the original mirror, in Fifth Dawn, you could set yourself up with the, with the intention of maximizing yourself on Sunburst, and but it took a lot of planning in order to get through Dark Still to be able to do that. But if you want to set yourself up for Sunburst, but now with it starting off in the reverse order, say we did Fifth Dawn, then Dark Still, then Mirrodin. Exactly. You can, set, you can set yourself up now either heavy into Sunburst quickly, and knowing that you can then take the best of anything you see. Or, well, potentially also screwing everybody over in their drafting style. Or you could avoid that, that whole strategy and focus on, uh, you wanted to go red blue in that case and then, and then end up with, uh, a lot of really good equipment, a lot of good, really good flyers, some, uh, aggro red guys, some ruble, and then you pick up a bunch of the, uh, goblins you have to do massive damage because you, because you maximize on your equipment three. So it's going to be in a reverse order of how you do things, but it's going to be an interesting change. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, the other thing is uh, that we want to talk to before we start to wrap up, and the last thing I wanted to say was um, I I had a concept that I talked, I didn't talk with Chris about this, but I talked with Greg about it a bit, and it's just an idea. I was talking to one of my coworkers um and I work in local government, and you know, there's just a there's a lot of information that we have to uh, deal with on a day to day basis. There's you know, kind of like three different levels of information. Um, there's the level of information that 
goes through the media and goes through like the the masses that you know everyone gets information to and everyone gets access to and you know there's what this you know newspaper wants to spin a certain story a certain way and blah 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 there's that like level it's kind of like inception this concept there's another level of information which is that you have to deal with which is the information that the politicians and policymakers are privy to and what their motivations are and that you know that information is important then there's the third level which is the actual kind of like reality of the situation and that's you know what the budget will allow for what the you know just the conditions of the situation and everything else and there's like what the kind of like the research analysts or the um you know mid-level technocrats uh and and experts are you know are are working with and as we were going over this, you know, I, you know, we, we started to kind of dig a little deeper and, um, you know, go over, go over some other, uh, ideas. And one of the things that came up that I thought was, and I'll bring it all back, but that's kind of related to magic is this idea of, you know, of white noise versus reality. There's a white noise, and this is in, I think, all spheres of, of, uh, you know, interpersonal communications and personal communications and human communication. And it's just something that exists when you have lots of like buzz going around something. And when you have white noise, like poles and punditry and stuff like that, there's kind of like a mass distraction, a white noise. That's everything that's chirping around you. And you can be wary of the white noise. In fact, you can be aware of it and you should be aware of it, but it's not something to motivate or to guide you. And then there's the reality, which is what you should be motivated and guided by. And that's much more important to focus your energy and attention on. And that's what you should be, you know, if you could split it up, you should be spending like 90% of your time on reality, 10% white noise, if that. Um, an example of how this relates to magic is, you know, you have to do this all the time, right? Like you get a sealed pool and you open it up and you have... As, as Greg knows, you know, very limited amount of time to look through all this, as you were saying earlier. So you have this limited amount of time, you look through all the sealed pool, and quickly you we separate them into piles, right? People do it different ways. You know, I do my piles by colors first, and then um, by playables within those colors and cards that I would never play with. And that's just an example where, you know, there might be some white noise out there, and you can you can be aware of the white noise because maybe that's something that you want to put in your sideboard that you want to sideboard in for a game like something that kills flyers or whatever, or something with a very marginal usage or narrow use. But you should not spend more than you know ten or less percent of your time on the white noise. The reality you should be really focused on, and that's um, everything else that's kind of going on where. You know, you you need to quickly assess how much land you're going to put in, what colors you're going to choose from your playables, all that type of stuff. So we do it in magic, we do it in life, we do it in politics, we do it in everything else. Um, but the important point is not to get distracted. And I think it's easy to get distracted by the white noise and not to let that take up too much of your time and attention. Because once you're looking at this narrow usage card and you're thinking, oh, maybe I could find this way, that way, you know, your timer's up and it's time to build your deck and it's time to play your first round and you just got a loss because of that. It extends to other things um, in Magic where, you know, let's say... And, and let me give, like, one more example of how this works in reality. It's like, you know, in your relationship with your significant other... Like you're, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of dates. Like your second date doesn't really matter that much. Your fourth date, your sixth date. I mean, it matters that night, but 
the real test is, is it going to be important six months or ten months from now? Your first date, maybe. Your marriage, for certain. The wedding is reality, but the second dates or the fifth dates or whatever, that's kind of more, you know, it's it, you can be aware of it, but it's not something that's, that's um, you know, it's 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 a good example of, of uh, you know, something that will be important in, you know, 20 years in your relationship versus something that you might even remember where your fifth date is, probably. Um you know, it's being able to be a jeweler that can, you know, just like Donnie Brasco, you know, how, how he claims to be in that movie, you can be able to quickly look at that gem and separate it, the precious ones from those that are other than precious, right? And so too with the knowledge and magic, when we, there's so much magic content out there, there's this podcast, there's plenty of other podcasts, there's lots of articles, there's lots, and if you took all of them at face value you know, you would just go nuts because there's so much conflicting information there. In fact, if you read all the information and you listen to all the information on a daily basis out there, you probably wouldn't have time to do much else. So being able to find the white noise versus the reality, being able to find, you know, the like to be able to read an article and quickly assess the information that you want to take from it and that you want to use and just kind of get rid of the other, you know, 90%. And just take the ten percent that's good for you, or whatever, however that works out. So, anyway, it's kind of uh, it's a it's a it's a it's it's a rant. It's kind of a long. Um, it's it's a greater concept that I'm working on developing, and I want to you know I need to flesh out the idea a little bit more. But it was just something I was thinking about, um, and then I was thinking about how it can apply to magic and and other things, but. Um, you know, one example that I'm going to point to, and this is, you know, we'll, we'll move it segment on to our next discussion, um, is the Wizards Play Network change. And I just want to say, this is probably not going to be a popular comment. I haven't talked with Greg that much about it or Chris, but I don't know how much the listeners are going to agree with me or anyone else, but I'm going to give an example of this white noise versus reality concept. And, um, you know, maybe controversial, but so be it. So the WPN has uh, changed the way that they're organizing tournaments. Uh, Greg, do you want to go over that quick? Um, my my understanding of it's pretty straightforward. Uh, basically, if you are a uh, the, the one thing that was kind of special about the WPN was that you could be a tournament organizer, a TO. That or to, like a tournament director that was a part of a club and met in a, a library or a basement somewhere, and you could get some some promo cards from Wizards as long as you were registered and you were a part of the WP. Now the change is to make it so it is exclusively available. All of those TOs have to be. Attached, they have to be um, associated with a particular store. That's the change. So the best, what that means, is that basically you have to have your tournaments at a store location or adjacent to a store location for you to to get these uh, sanctioned matches A and B to get the the promo cards that were were being provided to these tournament organizers to distribute to those players. So there are some people that are that less, that's the change. 
No, no, no. That's and that's an important point too. Go go over the controversy because that's relevant. So the controversy is the fact that that's there are a lot of people that that don't have easy access per se to a to a store. I mean, sometimes there sometimes the you know it's just hey we're we're, we're close to a store but we prefer to do it our own way. Well, that's that's actually kind of rare. In many cases, these are these are places that are in Canada um, or in in. In other countries that are, are, are fairly rural and a, they might not have enough people to support a store, right? But they have enough people to support a player base. You know, Magic Magic is a part of a store, but it, but Magic isn't necessarily uh, enough to 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 pay all of the bills for for a hobby store or any kind of store that can support. Um, to, su- to support some of the, the games, so that's part of the controversy. There's a bunch of people that are like, "Hey, you're screwing us over. What are we supposed to do now?" And Wizards' response is basically, "Find a store that you can be associated with." Right. Some people argue is easy. Some people, a lot of people argue is not. Easy. Exactly, and you know, the Wizards Play Network is an example of the you know this concept of white noise versus the reality of it. I think because. Ultimately, I don't think that this is a bad change, and that's not going to be very popular, and a lot of people are not going to be happy with that, but I personally think that this, in six months or in a year from now, will not have the epic impacts that everyone's saying. There's all the, you know, people want to, you know, have these boycotts, and, you know, people are shutting down websites, and people are flipping out, and I've heard, and I've talked to a lot of smart people about this, and there's a lot of good points that they're making, but ultimately... I'm going to give the rationale for my thoughts on this, and then I want to hear what Chris and Greg say, and then I'd love to hear what the listeners say on it as well. So the Wizards Play Network was started in 2008, I believe, and they um, began uh, encouraging people who weren't necessarily associated with stores to uh, be able to open up this great network of magic to more people and that's awesome and they were really successful with it and it popped up all over the world magic existed before the wizards play network existed and people still got on what it did was it allowed a lot more access and it allowed a lot more people to join the game to get involved and it also kind of i think helped bridge the gap between the casual to the more tournament players who might not drive all the way especially if it's far out, if you're in Australia, if you're in Europe, and you have to drive really far to get somewhere to play. Whereas if you can just organize it out of your campus, out of a university, then, yeah, you know, it's going to be more likely that someone would play in a sanctioned tournament or in one of the Wizards Play Network tournaments or whatever. So that is definitely a positive impact. It's definitely had a positive impact on the game. Um, there may have been some issues with fraud going on. Who knows? If that's the reason why they stopped it, I think that's a problem. But let me give another speculation as to why they may have stopped it, which I haven't heard yet, which is that maybe it's the case where they want to open up and bring a lot of new people, and now a lot of new people have come in, but there's almost like a tipping point where it's like, it's like there's a theory like this for, for welfare, and I, ha- I hate to make that analogy, but some people hold that welfare um, subsidy uh, – or Some people hold that welfare has to be kind of hard for people to get. Like, you don't want it to be super, super accessible. 
because if it's too accessible, then you're going to have you're going to reach a breaking point where there's um, a tipping point rather where there's people that are taking advantage of the system as or, or people that are just becoming too dependent on it. So it has to be kind of you know cumbersome to get through. Now, how this relates to magic is like well. Why am I going to go to a tournament, pay all this money, when I could just buy a box, crack it, draft with my friends, and WPM through that and get you know what I need? And there's a point where it can potentially start to hurt the stores, actually. Now, what I think Wizards has done that could be a brilliant marketing and strategy move from their perspective is open those floodgates, bring all these people in, and now say, we're going to now that you're all playing, bring you into the stores and help out our local stores, which Lord knows they need them because those local stores are struggling. It is a tough economy worldwide and they do not need any more competition than the other stores that they're getting and, you know, Magic Online and everything else. They don't need any more competition. So if this is a way that they can bring those new, that influx of new players to stimulate their um, stores and their economies within the Magic tournaments and... Not only that, but in areas, people make the argument, well, in lots of Europe and lots of these other areas, they don't have that option. Fair enough. But maybe this is a way that can encourage, uh, you know, some people say, hey, we want to start a store here. There's all these people that want to play Magic. There's, you know, this this opportunity for it. Let's start a store. And that might be one of the ancillary benefits that this um, policy creates. So... The point is, is what's the white noise? The white noise is that everyone's freaking out. You know, magic players sometimes can be a little hyperbolic. Everyone's going nuts on this. But when it all comes down to it, in three months and six months, it'll be on to the next topic. I don't think it's going to be an issue that people still want to boycott over, people still want to shut down websites over. And I think that ultimately, you know, the, the, the fundamentals have not changed. And this is something that's only, it's a new program. It's only been around, you know, a couple of years and now that it's taken its course, I think it did what it needed to do, and Wizards is ready to move on and continue to help those local stores because that's their bread and butter. That's what they need. Um, so those are my thoughts. I'd love to hear what you guys think about it, and also the listeners. Please write in about this. Chris? Chris, your turn. <laughs> uh, sounded fine to me. It was, uh, I'll just go ahead and go. Okay, well... My thoughts are similar, but not the same. The, 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 rather than rehashing any of the things you said, um, the, the main difference, in my opinion, is that I think that it's hard for us, coming from a community of, of players that just plays and plays and plays and plays and plays. I mean, it's a, it's a large enough city. It's a large enough community. There's there's enough stores where if we want to go and play, we can. We can open up our phone and, and, and get an eight-man in the matter of, you know, a half an hour. Like, that that can happen on a fly without much effort. That's not, that's not the reality in terms of access, even access to, to products. That's not the reality. You can't. I mean, I can. I can drive seven minutes to, to MMC. You can hop on ninety four and, and off we go. It, it doesn't take. It doesn't take a lot of effort. For me. That's not. Again, that's that's just not the reality with some of some of the people that are in the largest uproar. So, my perspective is is yeah. I mean, this, 
okay, I'm in, in a couple weeks, I'm not gonna, this is not going to be on my radar. It's not going to be something that's going to be news to me. But that's because, from my perspective, it, I'm not a, I'm not a big per, a big part of the, the, the WPN. Doesn't mean that it's not a big friggin' deal for a lot of people. But I think there's a calculation. I think there's a calculation from 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 the Watsi side, from the business of the Coast side, that says, do we gain or do we lose more if we keep on the path the path that we are going, or if we actively reach out to try and assist the the stores in this way? I, I can't imagine there's anything. I mean, yeah. Abuse may be a part of it. Like there, there, there are, there are, there is some gossip about. There's a possibility that you know somebody was you know, making one or multiple false thing, um, false WPNs, taking all the product, shipping it off on eBay. There's, you know, there's way too much stuff out there. Like that's that's a story. It may be legitimate. I mean that type of thing. Like Watsi hates that stuff. Like they they could hell to to stop that type of thing. That wouldn't surprise me. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the calculation changes that much. It doesn't mean that all that all of the things that we're talking about in terms of the reality of well, what do you gain, what do you lose? It doesn't mean that all that stuff is not still a part of the equation. And I think that they did the they did the math on it, and they needed to throw throw the the stores a bone. Okay, I respect that. I mean, that's I don't I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't have a strong opinion because I know it doesn't impact and I know that right. you know, it, it, it's not fair for me to have an impact unless I have a story or a number of like first hand accounts from other people that say hey this is how it actually affects us I mean I know that there were a couple there was um, there are a couple like websites there's like one one deck check was it? Yep. Deck, deck check dot net yeah, like a, a bunch of people that I know, like really, really like that, and that's going yes. away because of this change. Yes, I was. I'm a huge supporter of that website, and that's actually the, losing that website in protest of this pisses me off more than this change itself. Yeah, ditto, ditto. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I and I think that that's a good point. Like, it's not fair for us who have it so good to not to say like, well, it doesn't affect people. I hear what you're saying on that, but I still think that um, ultimately it's 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 a situation where you don't have a good solution to the problem because with the economy and with everything else, there's not you know you, you have to make certain choices, and it's the better of two. If, if the speculation is correct, and who knows, there could be some factors we're not considering. This is all my speculation, but if that is the case, it's uh, worse decision um, to do it the other way and to continue this than it would be to not. And it's like, would I like to do something that's negative two points or negative six points? You know, I'll go with the negative two because that that's better for me. So, ultimately, that's that's my opinion of it. Um, I guess you know, time will tell, uh, listeners. Especially if you're not from America, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and that's that's pretty much all I have to say on that. Uh, do you guys have anything else on the WPN changes that we wanted to discuss? There's one thing you always there's one thing you always have to remember. 
people's jobs and their and, and their livelihood is based on these types of decisions from Watsi. Right. They don't they don't make these decisions with the intention of damaging their financial future. They only do they only make decisions they think will actually benefit them in the long run. And we have to have faith in them that they know what the hell they're talking about sometimes. Yeah. And the history is, even though we sometimes question some of these changes over these last several years, they've done nothing but prove the game. Yeah. So that they've got a track record of doing the right thing or the best thing even with weird changes like this out of the blue. That is a fair point. Very fair. And, yeah, they've gained some goodwill with me because I, <laughs> uh, I have to say that Magic is in a good spot despite this insanely bad economy um, that we've gone through over the last uh, few years and hopefully we're now getting out of. Uh, we'll see. So that like, about... Even though the bad economy is, people don't don't cut back on entertainment value. People don't stop spending money well, on entertainment. It depends what... Yeah, I mean, there, uh, different economists <laughs> have different <laughs> speculations on that. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a lot of different theories about that, but... Um, I'm only... And, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not cutting out the conversation because it's any of... Either Jonathan or I have a problem talking about politics. It's the other way. That we could talk about politics for hours. Right. That'll be the next uh, podcast. This, that's, that'll yeah. be the next. That'll be the next Jay Bro and Grego creation. Uh, not for four spikes, but for something else. But I'll just say this: there's a yeah. lot of different speculations, a lot of different economists that have different, you know, theories on that's what that's what people say. But I do think that it's incredible how well Magic has done under you know, the, it, like Hasbro has consistently said, you know, it's one of the top earners. And that's despite everything going on. And that's competing with a lot of, you know, very uh, well-funded, huge uh, other games out there and other toys and everything else that's going on. And Hasbro's a big corporation, so that's a big deal. And I'm very happy with the decisions they've made so far. They've brought some goodwill with me. I agree with this decision. Uh, I'd like to see where it goes. And I don't mean to be insensitive to the other listeners. It does hurt. It is a rough uh, thing for some people, but look at it this way. Hopefully in a year from now, those communities out in Glasgow or wherever else will have more magic stores that you can go to. And that might be an ancillary benefit. And you have to keep your mind open to that and do your part to support those local stores because that's what this is all about in the end. They're the backbone of a successful uh, magic community. Um, you need to, it needs to be systemic. There needs to be a, you know, gathering space that this can exist in where the product is coming in and it's it's a, it's a systemic thing as opposed to, you know, someone organizing out of their basement or something like this or that where it can come and go and ebb and flow. There needs to be systemic um, structures there in order to uh, continue uh, this game that we all love um, in, in the fashion that it's that it's been going. Um, so that's that's all we had pretty much for the show notes. Um, before we wrap up, should we go over anything else? Yeah, it was definitely one thing that um, one of our listeners mentioned. Oh, so, okay. right, right, so right. That, that was that, those were the, like our primary topics. But too sarcastic, which is the, the nickname for, for um, a, a member of the Fugitive Wizard uh, blog. Yep. Which is actually a Milwaukee-based blog, um, and and a, a friend of ours, uh, two friends of ours, are like the primary posters on there. Actually, there's 
Anyway, we, we, we know a lot of those guys. So anyway, um, in response to last week's episode, mm-hmm. last, week's, last week's show, there was some, some feedback. One, one of the members of that blog was, was pretty hot about one of the things that we, we talked about. And what he did is he, he posted on MTG Cast a rather long rant. Um, about you know, half an hour, 45 minutes later, it was still not on MTG Cast because it was going through filters because he swore a little bit. <laughs> so he then took his, his copy and he then posted it to his blog. Wait, he, I don't think he swore. Um, well, he, 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 I think he, he thought that he did it. At, 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 it was just it was going through moderation. It then subsequently made it through Wait. successfully through mod- moderation. Well, actually, and it, and it got posted. well, Greg, let's let's actually ask because Chris, do you do that moderation for the MTG Cast website? Yes. So how does that process work when someone posts a comment on there? Does it like take a while yes, to? I, I do. A... What? What's that? Yeah, unless unless it's. Unless I've approved your comments on multiple occasions from your particular email address and IP address combination, pretty much it sits there and waits for me to have to... The filters are set up to be uh, must approve the post unless I've approved your IP and email address multiple times previously. So anyone who might write any comment, it, it may take... I can't do it during the day when I'm at work. It'll take till I get home in the evening or, or late at night sometimes to log on to the, the admin site and approve all the, the ballot comments and wipe out okay. 50 to 80 spam every day. So this had nothing to do with content or anything like that. It wasn't because, and there weren't any swears in it actually. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it was just, it's just a logistics thing. If we post our comments, don't expect it to be ready in half an hour or an hour because you, and you moderate it because you don't want like, kind of like racist stuff going up there, for example, or something like that, right? Or whatever. I barely, barely, I barely, rarely ever deny anybody's comment. Okay. It has to be something that, that I find offensive in order to, to me to say anything about their comment. But, <laughs> and as someone from Colorado, I can imagine that would be pretty hard to find. From from the podcast I've heard you on, pretty hard to find something truly offensive. It's so like, it's probably like a one out of a thousand that I that I've stopped. Can you do you remember what the? Do you remember what the comment? Sorry. Uh, the last one? Yeah, that was that that got booted. It was some gay uh, gay uh, remark about something. Okay, so it's like a like a epithet or something. Yeah. Okay, so that type of stuff is not allowed, but it wouldn't be because you disagreed with someone's comment, for example, or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I may agree or disagree with you, but that ain't gonna stop me from voting it. Right. Right. Uh, it's just a matter of it's just a matter of timing for us because I'll, I'll I'll do them before I go to work sometimes. Hey, shit. Home. I'll uh, l- yeah, I remember for every like five six comments, right. I got to weed through fifty to hundred spam comments too. Right. So, so well, the uh, so like every day or every other day, I'll post them. The um the comments. The, you, the microphone is cutting in and out for you, so just uh, I don't know if that's if it's getting disconnected or something. Might want to just check that. Well, um, so to get back to, to the introduction of this comment, though, um, I wasn't I wasn't actually trying to to make a, any any uh, uh, big big point about the fact that the, the comment hadn't shown up right away because it it actually inevitably did, and it, it appears to be the exact same text as what he posted on his blog. In my opinion, it was actually a positive thing that it didn't get posted right away because it actually inspired 
inspired him to to post it on his blog. And a, uh, a, a, a an introduction to those comments that gave context for anybody that wasn't viewing them directly from our show, and actually, I think gave us our, our show a little more a little more coverage as well. Well, in the show that we were the show that he was referencing, we were basically and Chris, you know, this is with you too. Uh, we were talking about having more access. Um, to more players and more marketing and, you know, maybe getting some cross-promotional, some of the poker stuff, etc. Um, and he, um, you can read his comments in the show, and we're not going to go over the whole thing tonight. Um, it's getting that hour, but uh, he basically, you know, you can read it, just go to the, four, go to four spikes on mtgcast.com, check out um, whatever Wu-Tang Clan reference, the Enter the 36th Chamber, uh, show number seven, and um, you can check it out there. Um so, uh, but yeah, um, any more thoughts on the comment, Greg? Yeah, I mean, we, we actually, we actually saw, um, the person that posted this, Tom, we actually saw him at a, at a draft a couple nights ago. And, uh, I, after, after reading through what he, what he said, I, I agree with him for the, almost, for, almost completely. Magic is not the same game as poker. Um, from from a number of perspectives, particularly in terms of cash flow, when you t- when you think when you look when you think about poker, I mean poker poker is the brand of poker. I mean maybe maybe the World Series of Poker is or Full Tilt, one of these web um, websites. Maybe these are are the, the the brands you think of. But you're not. I mean you don't. Every time you play poker, you're not giving a rate to the designer of poker. There's not, there's not, there's nothing gained from the casual, casual market, hardly at all. However, so, so, so the competitive aspect is like what that gain is. That's what that is all about. However, Magic and Wizards of the Coast, that that cash flow is very much so based on the casual market. I mean, 90 percent of Magic players actually play our kitchen table Magic players. And they're the ones that go and say, "Hey, I got a hundred dollars. You know, hundred dollars. I'm going to go buy a box. Like, like whim. I'm going to go crack a bunch of packs. That's not. I mean, we don't do that. I mean, if I've got if I've got packs, there's a good chance I, I have them because I want right. them, or I right. have them for the the specific yeah. purpose of of having these non-retail drafts. Right. And yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like you know, and I and I actually post if you go on the Fugitive Wizard blog spot, I I, re, I responded to his post and I completely agree. You know, the lifeblood of the game as well as uh, the stores is also going to be your casual market, and you need to keep it flowing with the casual players. Although I I still agree with the point that I think was being made, or at least I was trying to make on the last show when Chris mentioned it, and it was uh, Chris's idea that I I still agree with, and I elaborate is that it would be good to have some of the people like poker stars or some of the other people um, coming on and talking about it. In our show notes, we'll post like Evelyn Ng, and I think we did last time, we'll post it again, um, and some other folks. Uh, so anyway, I'm, uh, I'm getting... Uh, I'm getting tired. I'm going to have to start calling it a show, fellas. What do you guys think? Yeah, I know. I think we're... Oh, Greg, in the chat, you were asking about what the... That's what that was about. Okay, I had no idea what you are saying in the chat. So, on, 
I'm a big fan of Wu Tang Clan. We got like. We're gonna introduce Greg to some more rap music. That's the that's the that's the story. We're gonna get you some good rap. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so what I want to, one, one thing I want to bring up before before we literally just end, um, there are some funny links that, that Jonathan has. He's, he's going to put in the show notes. He's got a few different YouTube videos. Um, and as always, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, give leave some feedback on Twitter. You can get us on Forcebikes. Uh, email is Forcebikes at gmail.com. And then on Facebook, you can check us out uh, by just searching for Forcebikes. And, of course, mtgcast.com. Yep. And, uh, Chris, do you want to give any plugs before we call it a night? Check out mtgcast. Oh, well, yeah, obviously they do. I mean, that's how else would they have been hearing them. iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can, you can set up, you can set up a, a, I guess, uh, a feed, uh, uh, based on... Yeah, the, yeah. The wonders of, of MTG Cast. So if you guys are going just through iTunes to get us, go to the website, check it out, check out the other shows, check out Chris Outwell's show, The Road Warrior Outwell. It's awesome. Gave his, give us some feedback. Yeah, give us, some give us feedback. Give him feedback. We'll give you feedback. Whatever. I'm sure there's been a lot of feedback from my microphone tonight. Um, we're going to call it a night because I have a long day ahead of me tomorrow with a lot of stuff that should be fun yay budget time okay uh hit us up and uh we will chat with you next time adios